0: You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill.
1: I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today's show is part of the monthly series Food for Thought, in which we unpack some of the big ideas about food and food systems in order to raise the conversation level and to stimulate lively discussions to find the way forward together. Today, we'll discuss World Food Day with our very special guest, Jocelyn Brown Hall, Director of the United Nations Food and Agricultural Liaison Office for North America. Welcome, Jocelyn. Thank you so much for having me, Peggy. It's a thrill to have you here. Jocelyn, what is the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization and how long has it
0: existed? The Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, or FAO, or if in Europe, FAO, uh, has been in existence since 1945, conceived actually in 1943, and then it was consecrated in Quebec in 1945, uh, right after World War II. The 44 members at the time acknowledged and recognized that hunger and food insecurity uh, was a major global problem affecting everybody. Of course, it was just after the war, and uh, they understood that food and agriculture needed to be addressed at a global level.
1: Wow, so a really long history and a rich history of trying to unify on how we can have great food systems, honor our farmers, and have a sort of coordinating voice through the United Nations so that we can get a worldview locally. That's I, really fantastic. I think now, Jocelyn, more than ever, lots of people want to feel connected, and many of us, I know I am, are looking for unity and harmony and the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization has worked tirelessly to both inform and inspire. What are some of the United Nations Food and Agriculture's Organization's most significant achievements?
0: Well, I would say, Peggy, that the reason for our existence, although so that's changed over time, is to gather, synthesize, and analyze data about commodities, about forests, about oceans, about land, about soil, about irrigation, so that farmers, ranchers, producers, growers, consumers have the information that they need to understand what is best uh, for the place that they live, and no one size fits all. Uh, What's good for you in London, uh, Ontario, Canada is not necessarily what's great for my soil here in Washington, D.C., where I live. It's certainly not uh, necessarily great for where I was in Accra, Ghana or uh, Harare, Zimbabwe, it's a wide world out there. And uh, while agriculture is definitely a sector that's hyper-globally connected through trade, through transboundary pests and diseases, it's also extremely localized. So we feel in FAO, our job is to understand what's there and to transmit it to the consumer, producer, farmer, grower, whatever you want to name it, Uh, anyone who has something to do with food and drink, Um, so that they can make the best choices that they need to for what's best for their their land, their farm, their country, uh, in terms of enhancing food security.
1: That's great. I think that's really helpful. You talked about the diversity of land and growers and how things are so locally situated when we're talking about food and food systems. However, we can make really good decisions if we have this broader lens, this worldview that helps us uh situate what we're doing locally so really really great role that the united nations food and agriculture organization plays in uh, just coordinating life on earth and you had mentioned biodiversity jocelyn you want to expand a little bit on that please
0: sure Um, well our biodiversity unfortunately is deteriorating and disappearing one fact that i try to tell people is that over 60 percent of our diet comes from only about nine crops. So if you think about what you eat every day, while 66% of our diet is coming from nine crops. There's 6,000 crops out there that are edible. Uh, We need biodiversity to uh, keep agriculture going. We need biodiversity for our climate systems, for our agriculture systems. And I really encourage people to uh, broaden their ideas of what uh, what makes up a a normal diet uh, so that we can preserve this biodiversity.
1: You know, as you were speaking, Jocelyn, I was thinking about how nature really does do it best. We need biodiversity to secure the long-term survival of the biodiversity we have now. But many nutritionists recommend variety in the diet so that we have a broad source of nutrients coming from a number of different things. So tomorrow, October 16th, is World Food Day. Why do we need such a day, Jocelyn?
0: Sure. Well, first of all, it's FAO's birthday. So we always are excited around uh, um, because that's the day that we were consecrated in Quebec in 1945. So we always enjoy our birthday, um, you know, with, uh, COVID-19, with conflict, with climate change, and now uh, with a war in Ukraine, we have a rising number of people who are food insecure. Uh, We're topping nearly 840 million people, and that has increased uh, over the last few years. We were making great progress before then, and then, of course, between COVID and uh, the war in Ukraine, that has, positive trend has reversed. So, we want to acknowledge that and redouble our efforts uh, to address that. We also have 3 billion people who don't have access to health healthy diets. Three billion people cannot afford that on a daily basis. So there's a lot of hidden food insecurity in the area of uh, poor nutrition or malnutrition, um, even here in North America, among students in the military. So we wanted to acknowledge that and make sure that uh, we redouble our efforts to address it. Um, We have it within our power. We we create 1.5 times the amount of food that we need in the world for the population that we have. It is not getting to the population for a lot of different reasons, political, transportation, infrastructure, but, you know, we really have to address it because the solution is within our reach.
1: As difficult a message as that is to hear, and particularly the hidden insecurity, and you're talking about students and and military, but also farmers. I know a lot of farmers who are food insecure. You can't eat. Corn all year and only corn. But if you aren't making enough to buy other things, there's a lot of food insecurity among farmers. And so certainly the visible food insecure we want to help, but also try to unearth and discover where are, where are sort of the silent hunger. We can correct again, as you had said, double-downing the efforts and just becoming aware, which so I think World Food Day is really, really important for that. And together, I loved your message, Jocelyn, that together we can, we can do this. So there's a lot of positive intention and hope uh, knowing uh, that World Food Day has prompted collective action across 150 countries I saw on the website. What are some of our individual hunger and food system priorities?
0: Well, of course, um, I'll go back to my point about agriculture as both global and locals. In the United States here, um, you mentioned food loss and waste, and actually food waste is the second largest emitter of greenhouse gases of methane uh, in North America from the landfill. So when you throw it in the garbage, it goes to the landfill. That methane emission Mm -hmm. is the second largest emitter after livestock production. personal level and when I found this out I immediately started composting um, so I, I hope to see more people composting their their food uh, of course um, you know if you can support your local farmers that's wonderful farmers um, you mentioned Peggy are oftentimes some of the most food insecure people in the world and that's true worldwide not just in North America farmers live on a very slim margin they are burdened with a lot of expectations we place on them. We want them to grow our food. We want them to grow it in a way that preserves the land and the water. And we want them to grow it in a way that's healthy and nutritious for us. And we want them to make sure that there's clean air and we don't want there to be any waste spill off. And so all of these burdens that we put on growers and ranchers, we have to really understand that and understand they have the riskiest, literally the riskiest jobs in the world. Um, because they can't control the weather, they can't control major events such as COVID, uh, they can't control conflict. And so really supporting um, the local farmer is really important at the local level.
1: Okay, great. And it's something we can do each ourselves, whether we're living in dorms, whether we're living with partners, whether we are a family, we can uh, avoid food waste, we can compost, and we can support our local farmers. And I think in, in many parts of the world, we've been spoiled to have our food produced by family farmers. And so they are, it's their livelihood, they love the land, they love what they do. The theme for World Food Day this year is leave no one behind. Can you expand on this, please, Jocelyn?
0: You know, we still have 840 million people who are food insecure. Uh, We have over 100 million people who are acutely food insecure. Especially in the Horn of Africa right now, we have people who are, you know, more than skipping meals, like skipping days of meals. Uh, Getting to that last mile of people, people who are living in very fragile landscapes, whether it be fragile lands, uh, fragile lands combined with conflict, drought. So we want to make sure that we don't forget about those people. We also don't want to forget about people here in North America who are also perhaps skipping meals or making choices, making sure that we understand that hunger and food insecurity is everywhere. It's on your block, it's in your neighborhood, it's you know in your country, and we really have to address it at all levels.
1: You know, I I think that that's such an important message, leaving no one behind and really raising the conversation level because I think of many times I have discovered uh, food insecurity and it's something that we don't talk about. Uh, Kids at school don't want to say, I don't have a lunch. I know when I was uh, finishing my PhD at the university and I was in my home stretch and very food insecure. Uh, I didn't wanna tell anyone. So it, it's it's uh, something that we can raise the conversation level on. After the break, Jocelyn will talk more about progress and how each individual one of us can help. After the break, we'll hear more from Jocelyn Brown-Hall, Director of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization Liaison Office for North America about World Food Day coming up on October 16th tomorrow. We're gonna to discuss progress and how to bring change right from your own home and community. This is Food for the Future and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist.
0: Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980cfpl.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. We're
1: speaking with Jocelyn Brown-Hall, Director of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization Liaison Office for North America, about World Food Day tomorrow on October 16th. Jocelyn, one of the things I love about the United Nations overall, and the Food and Agriculture Organization in particular, is the idea that a global vision can be realized through local action. And everyday people in their own neighborhoods are very much part of the solution. What are some ways individuals, families, and communities can help?
0: We've talked about composting, we've talked about supporting local farmers. I would also say we are fortunate enough to live in democracies where people have representation and can vote. And I heard last week uh, there was a report that came out as an annual report about agriculture and sort of the health of agriculture in terms of productivity. And one of the things that came out was that how little research um, there is uh, and how much research has fallen in real dollars um, over time in the last several decades. In Back in sort of the 60s, 70s, 80s, both the United States and Canada were leaders in agriculture research um, because of public dollars that went into it. And now that, I, I won't say that they aren't leaders because they still are, but the public dollars in real terms has gone down. So everyone with a vote could go out there and talk to his or her or their representative about you know, the importance of agriculture research, um, go out there and talk to your representatives or your member of parliament, whoever represents you as a voting and say, you know, agricultural research is really important to me. I'll also make a pitch for people to be really mindful about recycling and plastics. Uh, plastics is a huge pollutant in our soil, in our water. Simple things you can do. Two things that I've been doing, you know, I ensure that whenever I can, I buy um, out of aluminum cans, not out of plastic. Aluminum is easily recyclable. And the other thing is, you know, try not to use plastic. Try to be really mindful about, do I need to bring that? Do I have to get that plastic sack from the grocery store? Really be mindful about that.
1: Thank you very much, Jocelyn, for that empowerment. You know, I know sometimes even I feel overwhelmed. Well, what can I do? And you've just given two very concrete, specific things, certainly the household strategies, but remembering that as citizens, our voice counts and what we think is important counts. So at a federal Uh, state or provincial and local level, letting our representation, our government, our leaders know we want to see dollars allocated to supporting not only um, all food research, but particularly farming. And as you had mentioned, some very specific strategies for sustainability long-term. Really great ideas. Thank you very much. We can keep going. And one of the ways that that's done is Uh, the food heroes. And every year I look forward to when the food heroes are announced and think, wow, that was just genius, that local action and what that one individual did. And so uh, Jocelyn, can you tell us about this special acknowledgement?
0: Sure. So our food heroes are people that we try to identify from the countries that we represent, so the United States and Canada, who are really um, making a difference in the food and agriculture space. So this year, we're really pleased to announce Jacob Beaton and Jessica Willett, founders of Tea Creek in British Columbia, and they are leading an Indigenous-led training hub that provides culturally safe space for local First Nations to learn a variety of skills to produce food. I can also tell you about the one in the United States, uh, who is, we are featuring a chef in and TV host, Sophia Rowe, who is passionate about telling stories about where our food comes from, the cultures that produce it, and how to make nutritious and tasty dishes accessible for all. So it's really a wide range of people doing different things and just addressing food issues, nutrition, diet, production at different places for different individuals. Um, And we're really excited about this year. So thank you.
1: It is really exciting because we do really get to see that we're not just talking about individuals making uh, a difference in in that ideology and dream, but that people actually are. Well, a big shout out to Sophia Rowe and to Jacob Beaton and Jessica Willette, our food heroes for 2022 and all the amazing things they're doing. Uh, Jocelyn, we take a humanities approach on the show. So we try to bring philosophy, history, and creativity into everyday dialogue. And how can these approaches help us achieve the zero hunger, which is a sustainable development goal that the United Nations have? There are 17. If listeners haven't heard about those, please look at them at the United Nations website. But we're talking today specifically about the zero hunger target. How do we make sure that every member of our human family reaches their life's full potential?
0: Just as there are many many ways to produce food, there are many many ways to honor and acknowledge food insecurity and to be, participate. And agriculture is a highly technical, highly scientific field. And I. We hope that people can, because food is such an important part of our culture, it's such a, an important part of how people express themselves. We try to find different ways to reach people. So it can be through um, poetry. It can be through music. It can be through um, different dishes. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways to touch people, you know, and to really make sure that people are thinking about it. We want to make sure that, you know, that when people eat their food, they're like, hmm, where does this come from? Where? What's the origin of this? Why do I eat this? What? How did it get here? What is the history behind this? Um, it helps us remind people of what we're trying to achieve.
1: Right, and what an easy way to do that. As you had said, you know, I I often look at my plate and I appreciate oh, look at the colors and I can smell it and I can't wait to eat it, but I haven't really actually thought, well, where did it come from? What was its origins? What creativity the farmer or the person who presented it to me or the way that it was even positioned on the plate. So lots of ways to bring the humanities into our everyday lives and think about how we can achieve zero hunger by appreciating what we have and also thinking about where it came from, wonderful. Of course, Charleston. You know this show is called Food for the Future, and in addition to learning more through World Food Day, how can we continue to remain informed and share our progress on creating a flourishing food system right now and beyond?
0: Please, you know, visit our website fao.org. There's some amazing stories on there, and stories about what we're doing in Afghanistan. Uh, with wheat um, with wheat farmers and women. Uh, there's some amazing stories about fishermen. So, you know, of course, and agriculture tends to be beautiful and maybe go on the website every now and then and check into it. Um, I, another thing I like to do uh, to just keep it um, at people's mind's eye is uh, when you take a, a walk through the grocery store, you know, pick up what you're, you know, what you're trying to buy. I often do this of fruits and vegetables. Is, Where's this from? You know, is it from Canada? Is it from the United States? Is it from Mexico? Is it from Israel? Is it from South Africa? Um, So I think that's another way, a simple way to... you know, remind yourself. And then the other thing is, is just be mindful every day about the choices that you're making. You know, am I, am I eating a healthy diet for myself? Am I um, choosing foods that will enhance biodiversity? Am I trying new things? Um, am I composting the waste that you know? Am I talking to my representative about agricultural research and or local policies to ensure that restaurants um, donate their food to people who don't have it, and you know, and strengthen those ties. So. There's no million different things, and each one of them matters.
1: Really, really, really excellent points, and we need all hands on deck. And there's something every person can do at all ages and all walks of life and how uh, we can stay connected. I know there's wonderful ways to participate. It's not too late. This show airs Mm -hmm. on October the 15th. October the 16th is World Food Day. There's all kinds of incredible programs, posters. You can create a poster and send it in if you're a young person and want to do that. There's other ways to connect in via social media. Are there any final thoughts, Justin? I would talk to you all day. Are there any <laughs> final thoughts? I'm sorry we're out of time that you'd like to share with listeners. Yeah,
0: I, I guess I would just say the whole, the week after World Food Day is also really important to us. Uh, we're having World Food Forum, which is engaging youth. Uh, we're having a Science and Innovation Forum, which, to, you know, how is Science and Innovation gonna continue to transform the ag system so that we can uh, apply technology to make sure that we can feed a hungry world. Um, an investment, how private sector, how important the private sector is. We don't grow food for free. Uh, People need to make a living out of it. Uh, Every farmer is a small business person. Jocelyn, thank you so much for our conversation today. It's left me very grateful and
1: hopeful. And thank you for sharing not just your vision, but all of the work that's been done. You and the whole team at the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization. So thank you very much for that and for bringing us
0: World Food Day. Thank you, Peggy. It was a delight and privilege to be with you.
1: Thank you. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Jocelyn Brown-Hall, Director of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization Liaison Office for North America. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? How will you participate in World Food Day tomorrow? Something to do? Visit the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization's website at www.fao.org to find out about global food priorities, what individuals, families, and communities are doing, and ways you can help. Next week on the show, we return to the series Waste Not. We'll talk with Sue Smith, registered dietitian and member of the Middlesex London Food Policy Council about the upcoming event, Know Your Food, at the Western Fair. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burn Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980cfpl.ca.